0: To the Two Saints podcast show with Myself Mark C and my co-host Mark H Hi
1: Mark Yeah, um, I'm doing well mate Thanks for asking That was a bit abrupt there But um, <laughs> I hope um, everybody's doing well And it's been It's been A, a good week For the first time yep. um, Not so good for the rest of it no. But um, Yes we've, Obviously you and I Got smiles on our faces. Um, Absolutely. Obviously with sat with Saturday when we're going into it. I've got to be honest, I was slightly nervous, bit of trepidation, bit of yep. you know, get, given that it's you know, what was a one win in twelve uh in the league before the game, you know, you you're always weary, but obviously, you know, Bournemouth had their injuries themselves, but um yep you know the biggest hope that i've got is that obviously with the international break everybody and i mean everybody comes back unscathed absolutely yeah let's hope so
0: fingers crossed for that because we need more for the semi-final which we'll get to anyway so just to remind you we have an email for the show which is the two states podcast show at outlook.com and that's for any questions or features you'd like to hear in future podcasts that's what we've got that's that's obviously how you access that we'll also give you the list of how you access the podcast so that's the following list coming up right now so don't forget you can follow our podcast on acast overcast apple podcast google podcast deezer iHeartRadio, radio TuneIn radio amazon music youtube and facebook and you can also access it using alexa you can say alexa please play the two saints podcast show on amazon music or alexa please play the two saints podcast show on spotify There you go. And coming up in the first half of today's show, we have the Two Saints review of AFC Bournemouth Neil Saints 3 and Saints Club News. So we'll take a short break. We'll be straight back and straight into the Two Saints review of Bournemouth versus Saints. It's
1: the two marks, C&H on the Two two
0: two Saints Saints show, show. Fiesta Fiesta. 95 FM. Welcome back, everybody. So the Two Saints preview, uh, Two Saints review of Bournemouth Neil Saints 3. Yep, so Southampton weren't running out three nil winners. Well, five nil winners, as far as I'm concerned, but we did have two goals disallowed. So, Saints ease into the FA Cup semi finals. Nathan Redmond was inspired for him as Saints ran out, convincing three nil winners at Bournemouth to reach the club's third Emirates FA Cup semi final this century. Or, as the poet say, a bit of Fiesta. Anyway, Ralph Hassan, who will praise Nathan Redmond's performance in the win over Bournemouth. He held him as being a standout. And Hassan Hoolittle said, we showed our quality.
1: Uh, I mean, it, it's a bit of an interesting one, Mark, because obviously, early doors, Ryan Bertram had an opportunity. They actually opened <laughs> it um, and then And then Bournemouth actually had a period where they were causing us one or two problems Yep, Dan Dreamer great, especially. We we'll go down the other end of the pitch. Carl Walker Peters puts a ball into the box. And by the way, I've got to mention, what a pass from Jan Bednarek! Oh, didn't it's unbelievable! To, didn't know he had it in him. Me he, either. Who knew? You know but he knew Janik Vestergaard? Possible? Vesigar Vesigar to pass anyway. him, right? Yeah. If, if anybody seen Bednarek's ball to Carl Walker Peters on Saturday. It was on a sixpence, mate. It was a peach. It was a peach peach of a pass. Anyway, well, peach of a ball. Anyway, so the ball goes in and that all-star American, Cameron Cameron Cantor Vickers, puts through his own goal. What a player. Anyway, so (laughs) I'm sat there thinking, right, that's us set. We're on our way. And then offside comes into play and I think if you look at it again it is actually Cole Walker Peters is the yep. one that's given us offside. And then it was there was a bit of to and fro going, going on if I'm honest. Um and then obviously we had Nathan Redmond and uh Armstrong both strong running getting forward yep. um Nathan Redmond plays the perfect ball in behind.
0: It's funny, actually, because he picks the ball up and starts to run with it. It looks as though he's done too much with it on the edge of the area. And you're thinking, oh, the chance is gone now. He's buggered that up. And he puts an absolute slide rule ball in for
1: Giuseppe, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. I mean, I, I just think he was waiting for the perfect moment. You know, a la Martin McClutchin, right? <laughs> And uh, he had his perfect moment, and uh, you know he he, he split. He basically slid the perfect ball through to him, and Ginatmo's finish. I mean, you couldn't have had it any more perfect, any more perfect. It was it was such a beautiful, you know, it it was a beauty of a finish. I think the word is sublime, Mark. Yeah, side foot into the other corner you know, and we're off, we're off, you know, we're off then. A um, little bit of a lull after that, I've got to be honest, there was a little bit of a lull going on. Obviously, we had, uh, and I might have got this the wrong way around, I probably have, but I thought, was it Jay Adams' goal came next or was it the offside one? But anyway, so I'm going to go with, uh, Nathan Redmond and I'll cover yeah. that in a minute. So Nathan Redmond second again himself and Stuart Armstrong is running at them in in the sense that basically the Bournemouth defence is being scattered to the four corners of the globe. Yep. Yeah. Right? And the thing was was when when he was approaching the area and you're sort of sat there, you're thinking he's more or less middle of the goal, he's just a little bit outside the 18-yard box, and you're going, hit it now, right? And he he runs on a bit further, so he's now to the right-hand side of the 18-yard box, yep. but he's just inside the 18-yard box, right? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, he's not going to hit it from there, it's too to an angle. Right? Yeah, he's blown it. Chances gone. Yeah. And, and the next thing is, bang, it's in the back of the net. I'm sitting there going, well, Michael Owen, eat your heart out. France World Cup 98, you know? Because yep. that was the sort of finish it was. Um, but, uh, you know, Nathan's was obviously better. But. um. <laughs> yeah, uh, As I say, it it was definitely one of those where you were left with a little bit of egg on your face because you're sat there thinking, he's taking it too far. He's definitely taking it too far, you
0: know? Yep. He showed um, a clean pair of heels to to Steve Cook, fired it in the top corner, and then doubled his tally just shy of the hour mark, didn't he? Um, Stuart Armstrong latching onto the ball, smashes it left-footed, bounces back off the post. And Nathan Redman, first time... Drills it off the top of his boot right in the bottom corner. Absolutely
1: brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was just in, you know, just in uh, what I was going to say there was obviously there was a little bit of a stumble, as you say, from Steve Cook before the yeah. Nathan M. Goal. And then, you know, all of a sudden, then we're, the tails are up. You know, Shea Adams had a perfectly good goal, what I thought. It was yep. chalked off. I still think, you know, wh- where I get the offside for the first goal, I'm still struggling to understand how the Shea Adams goal was offside. But I think right. anyway, so, I mean, I'm sure you've all seen it. I, my, my thoughts on it was, was it had come off the Bournemouth player yep. last and therefore... At the end of the day, how can it be ruled as offside? But obviously that didn't stand. We're now into the second half. Um, And basically, Stuart Armstrong hits a rasper from just outside the 18-yard box that hits the post. And then basically it falls for the Nathan Redmond. Now, how many times, Mark, have we seen... A ball come off the base of the post, right? Go straight to an attacker, right? And an attacker or a striker just hit the ball way over the bar. Yep. How many times do we see that, right?
0: Well, that often, I and, think there's about eight balls travelling around in orbit at the moment.
1: And to be honest, Nathan Redman probably deserves all the credit in the world for the third goal. I mean, yes, his sec, his first, uh, his first goal is more aesthetically pleasing, but his second goal was great in the sense of the composure, right? And and you know, I'll, I'll say this on the pod, right? I challenge him to start delivering in Premier League games. Absolutely right. We all know he can do it against Championship and. You know, but I I want them to prove to me, because every time somebody asks me about him, I say, yes, he's a good player, good technique, everything else, right, does his job. But I would always say top of the championship player. Right? You know, you'll always get teams promoted, right? (laughs) Yeah. But when it comes to the Premier League, you know, there are question marks, you know, but... He deserves all the credit in the world for Saturday's performance. And and like I always say, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Yes, Bournemouth had their injuries. But but Ralph was right. Ralph was spot on with his selection. He went with Detroit and tested. He went with his experienced players and it paid dividends. Let's be honest, it paid dividends. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also saying Fraser Forster, you've got a guy who's played four
0: games in the cup, and not conceded once. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. Four well, games, four so, clean sheets.
0: Yeah. Can't argue with that. So, so yeah, um, that wraps up the Two Saints review of Saints versus Bournemouth brilliantly. So, we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to do
1: Saints Club News. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints Show.
0: Right, welcome back, everybody. So, Saints Club News. The FA Cup semi-final draw. Saints 1, Liverpool 2 in Premier League 2. Under-18s report, Saints 0, Aston Villa 2. Under-18s report, Southampton versus Burton Albion in the FA Youth Cup. Southampton FC plant 1,250 trees as part of the homegrown initiative. James Ward-Prowse selected for World Cup qualifiers for England and international guide for the academy. And Bob Higgins, Southampton, should have been watching abuse coach. Southampton versus Burton Albion match report in the FA Youth Cup. So, there you go, Mark. And Frank Worthington and appreciation. So, that's all your headlines in Saints Club news. So, starting with the very first one, FA Cup semi-final draw.
1: Saints drawn to Leicester. Leicester, yes. Just just to say, listeners, yeah. unfortunately, Mark's on repeat this morning or this afternoon because he decided to tell you about the Burton Albion report in the FA Youth Cup twice. But anyway... Moving yep. swiftly on, right, I'm going to hand this over to my esteemed colleague, right, because he has very strong feelings on the fact that we've drawn Leicester. I'm over the moon because obviously it gives us the best possible chance of actually getting to the final. I agree with that. I have great reservations, whereas Mark's going Mark's to lighten your day and tell you why he believes Saints are going to win the FA Cup semi-final against Leicester. So over to you, Mark.
0: Motivation. Motivation. That's what the Saints are going to win it. Motivation. They're going to be motivated by the fact that Gary Lineker, the media, and everybody else has written Saints off completely. Total underdogs. Leicester are going to go out and smash them. Are they now? Really? Well, if that's not motivation enough to go out and beat them in the FA Cup semi-final, I don't know what is. Go and smash them, Saints. Put no, Gary Lineker right in his place, along with all the other people who've written Saints off immediately. Absolutely what? ridiculous. They've what? given Saints absolutely no chance whatsoever, and they've not even played yet. And all what? I've had is 9 0, 9 nil, 9 0. Shut up about the 9 blooming nil. It's a one off game, it's a semi final game, and I seriously
1: hope we smash them. Right, okay. So just, just a slight recap, because obviously, I'd <laughs> like you, I wasn't tuned in to. BBC on the Sunday, right? Oh you know, I was actually listening to it on the radio, you know, bit of an old fashioned person that I am. Um so so effectively the reason why your your there has got up Mark is because basically Gary Lineker, as you see it, is not being impartial. Right. He wasn't impartial in any way. Uh, well, I don't think he's going to be impartial. But he should be. So he's hosting Leicester
0: Match of the Day. He should remain impartial until after the programme. Whatever he wants to say about his own team,
1: say it off fair. <laughs> I don't care if you're a Leicester fan. Say it off fair. <laughs> uh, do I your get bloody job. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. but I Do the job
0: put... you're paid to do. He's not paid to sit there and talk about Leicester City. He's paid to host Match of the Day. Match of the Day, Gary. Not Leicester City of the Day. Match of the Day.
1: Right. All I'm, all I'm going to say is, I understand your angst. Right. But all I'm going to say to you is, is it isn't the BBC of the 1950s, right? Well, or he's hosting BBC or Match of the 30s. He's hosting BBC
0: Match of the Day, not, of day not Leicester Love Island. He's not hosting Leicester Love Island. He's <laughs> hosting Match of the
1: Day. But, but, Mark, listen to me, right? You tell me any pundit that doesn't go on any, any, TV show, right, whether it's talk sport, Radio, BBC Radio, you know, the BBC, ITV, right, and tell me that they don't wear their club col- colours when they're talking about things on their chest. I mean, I like e- even if you, oh yeah, well, okay, I like Scott, I'll give you, see, now you're going to bring <laughs> the females into it, right, and they are pretty <laughs> impartial, to be fair. <laughs> Apart from my favourite, <laughs> the Birmingham City fan, she, yeah, I, I love her. But um, I was, was going to say the um that what I was going to say was you look at the males, right? You, you even even if you're of a different generation, right, and you didn't see the likes of say Dion Dublin play, right, Danny Murphy, okay, and any of those players, I e- even if Oh, okay, now I've seen them play, but even if I hadn't seen them play and I was younger, say right and I hadn't seen them play, I would be able to tell you inside fifteen minutes who they played for and who they supported and and stuff like that, you know, and that, that's what's disappointing because I get what you talk about in partiality but once that once they start speaking and and you know you can tell straight away who they've played for, you know, Leon Osman's another one. You know he played for Everton. Yeah. As soon as you know five minutes in the any sort of conversation, you, you know you can tell. As soon as they're doing synopsises on stuff, but anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so we move
0: on to it. Great news coming out of the club, Mark. So here we go. Premier League 2 report. Saints 1, Liverpool 2. Saints B, Saints under-23s went down to a 2-1 defeat to Liverpool. Watched by
1: Ralph Hasenut at Snow Stadium. Yeah, well, it didn't have any desired effect in terms of improvement. We he didn't look, Did he didn't look very impressed, to be fair, from the photos I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen any pictures or footage, but suffice to say that it was probably a galleon A a gallant display From the B team But again Falling to defeat At home At Liverpool You know Not the results That we're expecting
0: It's probably fair to say The highlight of the game Was Ralph's flat cap That he was wearing In
1: his sunglasses But are are we surprised Mark Given the season That the B team And the under 18s Are having I mean (laughs) again, Again I don't know they're talking where to you're the meant to go and with They went things. down to a 2 0 loss to Aston Villa. Uh, look, the, all I'll say is, and I'm going to mention this the club have a playbook. Now, it's the yep. club's invention. Yep. People call it Ralph's playbook. It's not Ralph's playbook, it's the yep. club's playbook. Yep. Right? Everybody's playing the same way, the same tactics, the same structure yep. throughout, and they're using this playbook adjust different things so that they can use whatever system okay but yep. fundamentally everybody's playing the same way so it's supposed to be smooth transition right now they they will tell you that obviously this is going to take time for it to take full effect right yep. we're eight, we're now 18 months into it yep. right and my I think my biggest issue both for the under eighteens and the B team is if they're losing every week, were the players getting any confidence, right? They're they're avoid the me of any confidence and I, I just I don't believe whenever coaches turn around and say things like it's all about development of the players. Right, and I get I, I understand that at under eight under eighteen level, okay, because you're finding your feet, you're finding out who's good at what, and all the rest of it. But I, I don't buy it when it's coming from Dave Horseman, right? And he said, you know, when he's asked about, because he got asked about results uh, during the week, and he turned around and he basically said it's about. You know, even at the B, B team, it's at, it's about development of the players. I'm sorry, I don't buy that, because if you're losing games week in, week out, that affects the confidence, and it affects everybody within that team, within that dressing room. I accept that we we've decided to go down the road, and we've done this for a long time, where we play younger players, 18, 19 year nineteen-year-olds at under twenty-three level, I, expe- I, ex- I accept that that's you know how the club have decided to go. You've got the likes of more senior players within that group, like the Callum Slatteries and all that are out on loan, right? So I accept that you know we're developing younger players earlier, but. I still think to myself: If you're losing games week in, week out, it, it doesn't help with the confidence. And I don't care whether it's an under eighteen level or the B level. You know, I don't care. I, I still think it affects confidence and how how they're how they're they're then meant to bring players in that have a losing mentality into the first team from the B team is beyond me. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, Mark, you look across the whole academy and at
0: the moment, I mean, the shining light is obviously, um, at the moment, Alex Jankovic has been hailed as a shining light, put on a fantastic performance for the under-21s against England under-21s for Switzerland. He's played very well. Fans are calling for him to get a second chance. But other than him and probably a couple of others, there's not really a lot of shining lights coming out of the academy, is there? No. No. And, you know, I totally agree with you. And confidence breeds success. And success breeds results. You know, um, results come from success and confidence. And you don't get confidence from losing all time. And you don't get success from constantly losing all time. Oh, so it 100. all goes hand in hand. So I totally agree with everything you said there, to be fair.
1: That, anyway, you were going to mention about the under-18 result so, in the FA Youth Cup. So which yeah, then I moving think- on to the FA Youth Cup. It was Southampton
0: 0, Baron Albion 1 and Saints were at high mark. Knocked yeah. out of the FA Youth Cup at to Burton Albion on Tuesday night. The thing
1: is, is Mark, I've got to be honest with you, right? I've I've put up with because because obviously I get what the club's trying to do, but to me this is a new low. This yep. really is a new yep. low, right? For a play to to Yeovil, Yep. You know, I'm uh, oh, sorry, not Yeovil, Burton Albion. Yeah, Very happy <laughs> Yo- where have you gone? Come <laughs> might back. As well be, might as well have been Yeovil. Uh, <laughs> I wish you were thinking?
0: <laughs> Mark would rather be Yeovil,
1: everyone. Now, uh, anyway, fair, fair play to the youngsters of Albion. Yeah. I'm sure, even if they don't go on to have careers, and I'm sure yeah. some will in football. You know, yeah, but even if they don't go on to have careers in football, it's something that they'll remember. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But you know, all I'll say to people is. Southampton are in the elite group of academies, right? I think I think after this result, the (laughs) FA might be looking at that and thinking maybe it's time to downgrade. I mean, you know, we're talking about a team currently that are bottom of their section, bottom of the South section. It's a thirteen-team group, right, right, and they've amassed six points mark all season. Six points all season in that group. They're bottom of it. And and they're not anywhere close to the next team. I think the next team has 13 points or something like that. And And I I just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get that it's at that age group, it's development. But surely losing the Oval in... You know, the premier competition, as far as I'm concerned, for under-18-year-olds in the FA Youth Cup, yep. surely surely losing 1-0 at home to Burton. You know, alarm bells would be ringing with me. I'm sorry. I, I, I know that there is this playbook, and I know that, you know, it's all about the long term strategy. But I still go back to what I said before. If you yep. go out losing it game after game after game, it does nothing for the players' confidence. Yep. Absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: Yeah, the thing is, um, great oaks are supposed to grow from acorns, and it's not happening with the academy. However, it looks as though Saints have found another way of growing great oaks from acorns in the fact that They've just planted twelve hundred and fifty trees as part of the home initiative. So it looks like the club have found a different way of making acorns and turning them into oak trees, Mark. So that's good.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's good news, man. And that, that was the link there was seamless very well. Thank you done. very much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, um Southampton planted the first trees as part of its home initiative with Redbridge Community School receiving a thousand trees to mark the first team debuts of Keg's chalk, Ryan Finnegan, Alex Yankovitz, and Caleb Watts. No disrespect to Ryan Finnegan Mark I must have missed his debut because I don't recall that But anyway, there we go So fantastic from the club And more good news coming out Obviously during the pandemic and the work they've done during that So James Ward-Prowse getting an England call-up For the World Cup qualifiers Fantastic Wish him all the best for that Mark We wish him success, Um, we hope he gets plenty of minutes Of course Uh, More importantly But more importantly James, make sure you come back without any injuries
1: Exactly, exactly. Because we've got a small matter of a uh, semi-final coming up. Yeah, I'm very good of you not to mention that you watched it last night and you scored. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 well, we'll cover that on next week's
0: podcast. Anyway. Yeah, coming up on <laughs> next week's podcast. Anyway, moving on. So, Saints Academy. Um, Alex Jankovic was due to play for England and did against the under-21s. That was last night in the under-21
1: Euro group stage. He played against England. I've got to say, Mia, I listened to it on the radio. He played really, really well. Yeah, and he put almost and, every single England player in his pocket. And I, I I, just want to say one thing about him, right? I mean, I get what all the fuss is about um, yeah. in terms of, you know, because obviously we're determined to keep hold of him. Yeah, Because obviously yeah. he's itching for a move, yeah. you know. Yeah. and And, you know... Yeah so Hampton obviously see that in the future this is a commodity that will have a sell-on value this guy, if they go down that route if this guy progresses the way he's progressing
0: at the moment they're going to get a fortune for him in the future yeah. if he progresses at the rate he's progressing now and carries that on fantastic agreed yeah absolutely shining light of the academy mark and um Pretty much had every England player in his pocket last night within 90 minutes over the course of the game. So, fantastic. Will Ferry, Wales under-21s versus Republic of Ireland. 1pm yep. on Friday. So, that's 1pm today. So, that's actually started 15 minutes ago. That's ongoing at the moment. So, we wish him luck there. Uh, 28th March, Alex Jankovic back in action. Croatia under-21s. Eddie Beach is in action for the under-18s of Wales versus England under-18s on on uh, Monday. And Alex Jankovic back in action again on the 31st of March with Switzerland and training camps at the moment. Saints under-18 centre-back Matt Carson's been called up to Northern, London, Northern Ireland under-19s training camp, which takes place between 22nd and 26th of March. So good news for you there, Mark.
1: Yeah, and all I want to say is is if Matthew Carson's been called up to North London, he's geographically in the wrong place. Northern Ireland. <laughs> Northern Ireland. <laughs> but, but anyway... Um, what was he, <laughs> what I was going to say, Mark, was that um, Eddie Beach is an interesting one only because I read the article and I'd never heard of him. I don't even know who he never is. Never heard of him. No, so no I'm going to have to before before the next in, lot of internationals, I think I'm going to have to check up on him. Yep. Uh, obviously, I haven't been doing my homework recently. Well, he's even an outstanding player that's coming up
0: through the ranks. We know nothing about, or he's just joined them. Either that or he's invisible. I don't even know who he is. No, no, well, no clue. from being well, she could be the next Gareth Bill. There is that. All right, anyway, moving on. Oh, an article I need to read out to you. Um, well, actually, two articles I need to read out, and then obviously we'll be done with this section. So the first one is this one, and we'll get this through for this as quick as we can. Once I've read it, we'll be moving on. Bob Higgins, Southampton, should have been watching abuse coach. Southampton FC should have monitored a football coach after concerns were raised. He was a dangerous young boy, report said. He was jailed for 24 years in 2019 for offences against trainees in the 70s and 80s at Southampton Football Club. A report by QC into abuse in football said a head teacher warned the club in the 70s, but it was dismissed as malicious gossip. The club said it was deeply sorry and admitted considerable failings at the time. A former trainee who was abused by Higgins described the reports findings as vague and said it was like a box ticking exercise. The report also said Saints could have reported an allegation of abuse to police more quickly and failed to carry out any of its own inquiries at the time to find out if other boys may have been victims. We are led to believe that the chairman at the time actually said, keep it quiet, which uh, is not his finest hour mark, unfortunately. Anyway, so he was found guilty of 46 counts of indecent assault and 24 victims, predominantly from Southampton and Peterborough United between 1971 and 1996. Former Saints trainees described being abused during it during various different things at training camps and while staying at home, etc., and whilst being transported in the person concerned's car. The Sharon Review said accounts given to the club's current inquiry into abuse, being conducted independently by children's charity Bernardo, suggested rumours about Higgins have abounded over decades. Many individuals who have contributed to the review have been adamant The club officials and managers must have known of the stories and rumours about him. In fairness, Dave Merrington, youth coach, actually did report this to the club, Mark, and they actually acted on it three months later, didn't they? And obviously yeah. that led to obviously everything progressing to where it is now. But um, yeah, um, it's fair to say, not the club's finest hour. They've come out and made excuses. They've issued a statement on the website, everybody. So if you were involved in that, if you were a victim or a survivor of that, please check out the statement on Southampton FC website. Very heartfelt um, letter to everyone from the Saints club. From Southampton FC, sorry, in relation to that of that that event.
1: Just just one thing I want to say, Mark, is yeah. is that sorry, it's hard to read that. My heart, my heart goes out to any of the trainees yeah, that were involved I see. I see. in it. It 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 should never have been allowed to happen. I don't care, you know, whether it was in the seventies, sixties, fifties. The, you know, this sort of thing shouldn't have been allowed to happen. No, seen, not not on the watch, and no, the no. people at the club at the time should have reported things quicker. You know, and then it would have been put it not not passing the buck. You know, but the club should have reported quicker, and then seen what action was taken. Yeah. But these sort of things just shouldn't have been allowed to happen, and mm-hmm. I just feel so sorry for the people involved. And yeah. I mean, not generally from the bottom of my heart, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, I do apologise
0: to everyone. I do find stuff like that very hard to very hard to read. So I do apologise if uh, I drop the ball in any way reading it out. But um, it's one of those things I just, I, it's very uncomfortable. And I can't imagine what the people that suffered, it went through, to be fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no very much so.
0: Oh, excuse me, everybody. A little bit of a cold today, sorry. <laughs> you must apologise for me sneezing. Right, sorry, moving on. Frank Warvington, Saints historian Duncan Holly remembers much-loved former Southampton maverick Frank Worvington, who sadly died at 72. Frank, who sadly passed away age 72, only wore Saints colours for one season, but it just so happened to be the most successful ever for the club, as they came close to achieving the league and FA Cup double in 1983-84 eventually finishing runners-up to Liverpool in the old Division 1 and losing semi-finalists to Everton at Highbury after extra time. Frank led the forward line to superb effect. Flamboyant but canny, his extravagant ball skills and sublime close control were of huge benefit to his two young strike partners, Steve Moran and Danny Wallace. He was a football nomad. Saints were his seventh English club and there were to be many more before he hung up his boots in the early 90s. Starting his career at Leicester, where the young Gary Lineker was later an apprentice, he recalled Frank as being a beautiful footballer, a maverick and a wonderful character. who was so kind to me. Saints fans he saw him play that memorable season will certainly agree with Lineker's sentiments. Frank and Laurie McMenemy eventually fell out at the season's conclusion, with the latter not really prepared to accept that, along with an on-field genius, comes inevitable off-field character flaws. So the old gunslinger with the rock and roll hairstyle was told to leave town. Saddling up and moving on, he joined Brighton in the close season in 1984, but was far from finished despite being past 35. With Frank, the impression was always that life was for living. The title of his autobiography, One Hump or Two, bears that out. But beneath the razzmatazz and the headlines, there was a serious, committed footballer who should have been rewarded with more than eight England caps. Not surprisingly, he became a popular after-dinner speaker until dementia sadly took hold. He came from a large footballing family. His father and two brothers were all professionals, and his wife was the daughter of Noel Dwyer, the Swansea and Republic of Ireland goalkeeper. Rest in peace, Frank Stewart, Alvis Worthington, 23rd of November, 1948 to 22nd of March, 2021. And I remember him at Saints' in the Air Florida kit, which is one of my favourites,
1: Yeah, and what a player he was. Yeah, I remember him doing the trick where you toss the ball up your head and he catches it on his neck. Um But... You know, just some of my reflections, Mark. I'm beautifully read there, by the way. Thank you. Um, the, the thing that you always know, Frank Worthington, when he was on the pitch, you he, he was one of those players you were always drawn to him. <laughs> he was, you know, he was a maverick, he was a football yep. genius, and I know yep. that that word's used a lot. Yep. Um, but the thing is, is the one thing that I'll always remember is the goal that he scored for Bolton against Ipswich Town. Oh, cool. And he just hit it on the volley. But the goal was so exquisite. You can watch the footage on YouTube. I'm sure you'll be able to find that. I think it was the seventy-eight seventy-nine 79 season, or it was in the tables for one of the football shows. But um, what was I going to say was... What I loved about the footage from that, and I still remember as a young kid, was so they're bringing the ball back to the center circle, right? And the actual referee is applauding Frank's goal. I mean, you yep. would you you you, know, you wouldn't see one of the modern day officials like a Mike Dean do that now, would you? Oh, no, you know, definitely not. But, uh, it, honestly, me, that goal was a piece of genius. But but like I say. You know, because he was a maverick, and he would—you know—he was a bit unruly. Let, let's be honest. Like, you know, I mean, the thing is—is is it was rumored that Liverpool weren't interested in of him. But the thing was that, you know, uh, the the thought of the day was that they didn't want another George Best on their hands. Now, I wouldn't—I wouldn't have put him in that bracket. But yes, he liked to enjoy himself. I don't think there was, you know. I don't, I don't see a problem with that per se at the time, you yep. know. At the time, I don't see a problem with. Um, but l- like I said, it was a shame that he didn't get more England cups. But then, the problem with okay. the England team over the years is, unless you're a team player, right? Yep. You don't, you don't get many cups, you know. And that, and that's that's the thing. And you
0: know, you yep. I can attest
1: to that. Yeah. And he was, of that, he was of that generation, specifically that generation where there was a lot of gifted players about. Yep. Got one or two caps, you know, the likes of Alan Hudson and people like that. It's amazing as well, Mark. I
0: think about Frank Waverton and I think about Saints as a whole as well. And I think of three players at Saints over the years who've made me want to not take my eye off them when the ball came to them. Letizia the was one. And he's a free player. Two of them were with us for quite a short time, but all three of them were players that I really wanted to wait until the ball came to them and I wouldn't take my eye off them. Ronnie Ecklin was another one. 100%. Ronnie Ecklin and Matthew Vittizio in the football, superb both of them. And yeah. Frank Wavington. Three yeah. players that I could not stop watching when the ball came to them because they were exceptional.
1: Exactly. I mean, as a youngster, he was just one of those people that you were drawn to on the pitch. And, yep. and also, just in closing, I'm just going to say this and then keep clap, but, you know, let, let's remember that the one season he was here, Sien's finished second. Exactly. So he contributed quite a Absolutely. bit to Absolutely. that before the out between him and Laurie. Absolutely.
0: And, yeah, Laurie, don't forget all the people that used to disappear down the pub or down to the bookies at half-time, eh? <laughs> Frank yeah. Waventon wasn't the only one who had some off-field flaws.
1: <laughs> That's very true, mate, very true.
0: But anyway, so moving on from that, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, coming up in the second half of the Two Saints show, the podcast show, we have other football news, Saints in the press, and transfer gossip, plus corner chats back this week. So we'll be back very shortly. Fiesta ninety-five FM, the Two Saints Show. Welcome back, everybody. So, other football news, and starting in the Premier League. Matthias Klick, Leeds United midfielder, has tested positive for coronavirus, say Polish FA, and Manchester City are to install safe standing rail seats, Mark, at the Etihad.
1: Right. So, very quickly, try and rattle through these as best we can. So, basically, Matthias Klick test positive for coronavirus. It seemed there was a there was another Premier League player that's away on international duty that's tested positive as well. It a um it, it just goes back to and we're going to be covering it and seeing it in the press because Ralph's had his say on it. it it's it's just a nonsense, mate. That you know you've got. I mean, our own club. We've got a situation where you know Milanino, who's on loan from Liverpool, has flown out to play in a friendly in Japan against South Korea. To me, that's unnecessary travel. It's not that's even great. a competitive fixture. So that's all I've got to say about that. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, in terms of international football, not a problem necessarily now with domestic, but certainly with in terms of international travel, I think that's where the problem comes with coronavirus for me. And you know, would I be playing international games at the minute? I don't. I, I don't think I'd be playing friendlies or competitive fixtures, me. If I'm honest. Yeah, no, I
0: agree with that. I agree with that. I think, yeah, you know, I, um, I think Ralph Hasenhüttl said something to those effects, hasn't he? And I agree with him on that one. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a silly situation. But anyway, we'll get to that later in the show, I, I believe. So moving on to Derby County in the Championship. Owner Mal Morris has called off the sale of the club, which has gone on forever due to the fact that uh, neither Sheikh Khaled nor the Abu Dhabi-based Binzai Group, the event show's owners, have come up with funds to complete the takeover. Hallelujah. Some people probably screaming because it's gone on forever, Mark, hasn't it?
1: It has, mate. But before I go to that, I'm just going to do the CF CF Seton. Oh, yeah. Then you've got that. Manchester City. So basically, they haven't sold CF seating, and obviously it's something that Manchester City can afford to do. Yeah. We've got enough money and it's great for supporters to be able to have the choice. I'm in favour of safe standing areas or real seating as it's called. Um, the only thing I would say, Mark, is is don't expect, right, in, in the situation that Saints are in financially, right, don't if if you're one of these people that go for CFC CF real seating because it's cheaper, right? Or you're expecting it to be cheaper, right? I actually think that the cost of the real seating and ordinary seating should be the same because I don't believe that you know, real seating should be cheaper. And ordinary seating should be there. I, I just think it should be across the board, you know, if they're expecting people to pay for it. You know? Yep. I don't I don't expect, you know, real seating people to pay more, but similarly I don't expect ordinary seating people to pay more neither. Yep. You know, so were were they were they finance or find the money to bring in real seating at St Murray's? I don't really know, but I'm certainly not in favour of seeing people who are not part of the stand-up brigade being penalised for it, in the sense yep. of, you know, passing on the burden of paying for it to them. Absolutely right. Yep, absolutely right. Well, this should be done at the clubs' cost, not the cost of the fans. Yeah, and the other thing is, is just to, on another point, you know, for me myself and your benefit. You know, the club need to make sure, so Hampton need to make sure that if they decide to have safe seating, that the section that they have it in doesn't interfere with the views for any of the supporters.
0: Yep, especially the ambulant
1: and uh wheelchair users, Mark. Yeah, No, def- definitely. I mean, I think they've got that sussed anyway because we're, all the okay. platforms are down the front. But yeah. obviously nobody wants to have their their view of the football interrupted. Absolutely. So, you know, the club need to make sure that when they're bringing yeah. it in, that it's obviously in a part of the ground where it's not interfering with anybody's view, and yeah. not just disabled people, but anybody's view. So, yeah. But anyway, going on to the Derby... I mean, mate, that this has been a longer saga than Dallas, the Colby's, you know, you name it. I mean, it, it's a longer no, it's saga gone, long. Matt saga.
0: has gone on as it's gone on as long as Matt Holland's Saints medical, hasn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, <laughs> very good. but um, no, it's um, you know, and, and I think at the end of the day, the right decisions being taken by Mel Mars where he's Absolutely. basically pulling the plug because. Yep. Even though you know it's coming from a cash-rich country, it's obvious that you know they haven't got the funds to complete the deal. So therefore, the plug's been pulled, and that's yep. all I'm going to say about it. But yep. it's been one of the longest-running sagas for a club takeover of have known.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, definitely. Right, moving on to manager Saxon appointed this week. Preston of sacked manager Alex Neil after a dismal run. It's one win in nine games. Richie Wellens has departed Salford City by mutual consent just about a week after winning the Papa John's trophy. Nigel Atkins has been named as new title manager and Stephen Glass has left Atlanta to be the new Aberdeen boss and we're led to believe that Scott Brown of Celtic is coming in as a player coach
1: alongside him. Right. So while well, you've done all those, right, I'll deal with the first one and then you just say the name of the next person and move on. Yep. Right? Awesome. Okay. So the first one is Alex Neal, right? Personally, this one baffles me because Preston always finish just outside the playoff places, right? They're a good, solid championship side, right? Now, I'm assuming that they're looking for someone to get them into the playoffs or or even get them up to the Premier League otherwise they're going backwards right? but I I just think it's a strange one, Alex Neal has been there for four years the journey's four years, they've always been in and around you know, the playoff places, you know unfortunately I, I think they got in once with them but it's you know it's a sad state of affairs because I think he's a decent manager. You know he brought Norwich up. Unfortunately, they went back down again. You know I, he he cut his teeth at Hamilton Academicals. You know, and I do I do think he's a decent manager. So you know it's unfortunate that he's lost the job. But obviously, Preston want to go down a different route. Richie Wellens, just, I was just about remember- to say Richie Wellens Mark. Well remembered. Yeah, Richie Wellens, all all I'll say on the Richie Wellens one is he's a victim of the fact that Salford are pumping money into that, you know the owners at Salford are pumping money into that club at a rate of knots and they aren't getting the return that they're expecting because basically they're expecting them to go up automatically and it's not happening for whatever reason but Five months is no time at all and given that he's just won their first major major trophy in the Papa John's final, I mean it must be gotten for him. Um yeah. I mean maybe maybe you know Salford are looking for either a really good up and coming manager with pedigree higher up the pyramid or they're looking for someone experienced, but you know you have to have a degree of sympathy for Richie Wellens. That's well, for who
0: sure. Kn- who knows, Mark? They might even ask Gary Neville to do it. He did quite well when he went to uh, Spain, didn't he? He was awful.
1: Anyway, <laughs> both of them are awful managers. <laughs> I, Nigel I, Atkins. That, that's my own opinion. Anyway, but speaking I, of I, better I, managers, Nigel Atkins. Um, yeah, Nigel Atkins back in back in chart and Um. All all I'll say, Mark, is is I wish them all the best. Yeah, give me back. I I wonder, even though they've got a new owner there, does he have the funds to help Nigel take the club forward, given that Lee Boyer made the decision to leave? And I believe that was more or less to do with budgets, because obviously he sat there thinking, well, even if Birmingham go down and I don't keep them up, they've still got a bigger budget than than Charlton, but I hope I'm wrong. What I
0: would say is in his in his one full season with Hull, in his one full season with Hole, they actually finished in thirteenth, and he did that with pretty much one hand tied behind his back, to be fair. So that should stand Charlton in pretty good stead, because he had next to no money at Hull and did a fantastic job there to make yeah. him to get them to finish thirteenth, given uh-huh. the constraints he was under. I
1: thought he did really well. Yeah, thanks for stealing the words out of my mouth. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um all I was gonna say was you know, the thing is, is he did it, He did great with us. You know, running a bit less so. Um, and Sheffield United, you know, there weren't, weren't great fans. I've got to be honest, Sheffield United. But like you pointed out, you know, his last job that he had at Hull, he was doing a job with one arm tied behind his back. And he did do... He did do brilliant as a whole manager. In fact, they did offer him a new contract, but he actually re- rejected it. So let's see what he can do for Chortland. It'll be interesting to sit back and watch. And certainly, as Saints fans, Nigel, we'll wish you all the best. Absolutely
0: right. Absolutely right. So moving on, Stephen Glass has left Atlanta to be Aberdeen boss. Well done, Sir Alex Ferguson, for helping them recruit him.
1: Yeah. Um, the the thing is is uh, you know, as I said on on our on our sister show, the radio show that we do, yep. um, to me this is a bit of a baffler because I would have had someone in alongside him with exper- with relative experience, because I'm I'm in favour of Stephen getting the job, yep. but his experience in management is limited. I mean, he's the assistant. Atlanta United boss, I think it is, um, yeah. and and basically, you know, the land, the Aberdeen role. I mean, he was at Aberdeen, you know, academy as a youngster and all that. and He came through, you know, and it's rumored that uh, Scott Brown, the Celtic captain, is going to join him on his coaching staff. Yeah. But but I still think to myself. They're both real. I mean, yes, they've got the playing experience, but have they haven't really got the managerial experience. And I would have just liked to see someone in alongside them. But again, I mean, if Scott Brown, you know, gets appointed as his assistant, I wish the two of them well, because, you know, I, I want to see... I know uh, this is ridiculous because obviously Celtic and Rangers have way more mm-hmm. finances than any other club in Scotland. Clubs in Scotland, but I would love someone just to break their stranglehold on Scottish football. To be honest, you know. Yep. But I, have, but I haven't said all that, Mark. Very quickly, just going to mention. Obviously, Kenny Jackett oh. lost his job at, down the road, and. I'm worried now because they've they've appointed the Cowley brothers and I actually think it's a good appointment. I mean, they did wonders at Lincoln City and they they actually fulfilled their remit at Huddersfield before Huddersfield decided to go another way because their remit was to keep them up in the championship and they did that, you know. And then they were dismissed not long into the following season. I'm not concerned, Mark, because
0: I'd love to see Pompey get promoted so we can put him back in their place again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm slightly more weary in the sense that if they they galvanise that club like they did with Lincoln, then, you know, it could be a case of All of a sudden, they're going places. Certainly, certainly very, very sad to see the demise of Agent Kenny Jacket. Yeah. Oh, shame. And I mean, Agent
0: Kenny. Agent
1: Kenny Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Kenny. We Um, tried. But yeah. So apart from that, moving on.
0: Yeah, sorry, Kenny. We couldn't get away with that forever. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Racism in football. Glenn Kamara says, Andres Kadea racism denial is a complete and utter lie. Teenager charged over social media post. Jude Benningham subjected to racist abuse. And Scotland players can walk off should any of them be subjected
1: to abuse. Right. So I'm going to cover all these in a nutshell. Yep. Right. It's, time, it's time for the football authorities to stand up to any racism at all. Okay. And this is what I'm going to say yeah, for need to do. They need to ban the club. So ban Slavia Prague from Europa League. They need to uh, basically Slavia Prague need to sack the player and the player to have a lifetime ban from football. Period. No, yep. no discussion. No appeal. No. Nothing. nothing. See you later. Down yep. the road. 100%. Okay. And that club yep. that club kicked out of yep. of uh, the Europa yep. League. All competition. Uh, moving on to Jude Bellingham. Look, the thing is, is how how long are we gonna cover this issue, mate, on social media? Yep. Right? So yep. I've just told you what the football authorities need to do, right? Yep. And and that that's across the board. Anybody that's found to do that in the yep. domestic game or worldwide. But just on the social media, okay. The social media companies have a collective responsibility to stamp this yep. out. Now, I agree with that. There's there's two ways they can do it, and that is by basically, if you've got a social media account, you have a password, right? Yep. So you're the only person that knows the password. As soon as that password is activated, any racial abuse that goes on online. You know the people that are monitored, that sort of thing, because they got people monitored. That mark, yeah, right? they so. report the account, the account holder's name, and it goes straight to the police. And and the thing is, is you know, and 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 the social media people take the appropriate action, whether that's yep. banning people from using, you yep. know, Facebook or whatever it would happen to be. Okay. Similarly, though, once you know, it's reported to the police, right? This is where the courts have to be stronger on on yep. any co- any form of racism, right? Absolutely. If you're if you're a young person, young offender centre. Yep. You know, if you're older, jail. Oh, yep. I'm sorry, mate. I agree. they need that it needs to be harder so that you know and and, and that's the only way that people Learn a lesson. I mean, I I used to be one where I used to sit and say through education, through through learning and stuff like that. Yep. But I I look at the ages of the perpetrators, and it's the young. And you're thinking to yourself, where are you picking this up from? Exactly, exactly you know? yeah. Exactly Yeah, right, absolutely. I mean, you know, if 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 they're football fans, and they may not be, you know, they may be you know anti-social people yep. or whatever but yep. um you know all all sports these days are inclusive you absolutely. know get your head round it get in the game and stop being paid yep. but, the thing is, but the thing is is the courts need to take a harder line for me absolutely right absolutely
0: right yeah, I'm going to throw another story in there quickly, Mark, because so, this is quite a short one. Gordon Taylor, the PFA chief response to Chris Sutton's dementia criticism. So we'll get that one out of the way because it's only a short one.
1: Yeah, I mean, all, look, all I'm going to say about it is, is, and I, you know, C- Chris is right to kind of call him out in some ways. Yep. You know, okay, the PFA is changing and it's yep. changing for the better, right? But you and I both know that since the turn of the century, so 2000, right, you know, Gordon Taylor's been aware of this and he sat on his hands yep. and he's done absolutely nothing. So, yep. I mean, I've looked at the context of the criticism and I think it's fair enough, to be yep, honest so with you. I agree. And obviously Gordon Taylor's got the right to reply, but, yep. you know, his track record, his track record on... Dementia on the dementia issue <laughs> and hitting the ball and everything else yeah. is there for all to see. Oh, his
0: record speaks it's for all
1: itself. To see. Yeah, his record speaks for itself. Right, um, right we'll cover that one. So,
0: moving on to women's football. Gemma Granger has been appointed new Wales manager, replacing Jane Ludlow, and the BBC to screen the Women's Super League on TV next season. Fantastic, Mark. Yeah,
1: all I would say is good luck, Gemma, in the Wales job. I know it's going to be difficult for you, hopefully you know, you'll get Wales qualified for some tournament during your, you know, tenure. And yeah. uh, in relation to, you know, the Women's Premier League being shown on telly, I'm well up for it, mate. I mean, all of uh, I think it's a deal that's been agreed by Sky and the BBC. So when the live games are on the BBC, I'll be sat there glued to them, to be fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, some of the technique that I see in the women's game, just, well, it's some of it's even better than the men, to be fair. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, moving on, we move on to
0: the um, England under-21s and the under-21 Euros. So, England under-21s, Emile Smith-Rowe named an England squad for the first time, along with Mason Greenwood, Callum and odoi um, For next week's UEFA... Under twenty one Euro finals group stage, although I believe a couple of them have now pulled
1: out. Mark, yeah, yeah. There, well, I've I've got a few updates for you on that. So Mason Greenwood's injured, so he's dropped he dropped out of the squad. Obviously, as we speak, they've travelled to Serbia. So the way the way the way the tournament is work, and I've got my head around this now. So effectively, they're playing three group games during yeah. this international break. Okay. Yeah. They played the first one yesterday, which yep. you know, you can speak about if you want. Um and obviously they're due to play Portugal on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and then they play I think it's Italy's the last one. And they okay. play them on Tuesday or Wednesday of, yep. of next week.
0: So yeah, England's um, fixtures are Thursday, twenty fifth of March, which is yesterday, Switzerland. 28th of March against Portugal, 31st of March against
1: Croatia. Croatia, sorry. Sorry, I said that late Croatia. And the the thing that's interesting is, so you're having the group games in Slovenia this week. Yep. And then if you qualify for the knockout phase, they travel back out to Slovenia at the end of May till the 6th of June to play... What what effectively is the knockout part of the tournament? What absolute nonsense! uh, It is nonsense, but the reason why they're having to do it is because obviously this was meant to be the year of the under twenties European tournament, but with it clashing with the seniors, they felt that they had to do it this way round. But it it is odd that you're obviously you're flying out the place. You're playing the group matches, yep. and then effectively, if you qualify, you're flying back at the end of May yep. to play the knockout phase. Oh, exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah, It's just that's just a strange one. A very, very strange one. Anyway, moving on from there. So we've lost two greats of football this past week. We've obviously spoken to you about Frank Worthington, um, but we've also lost the, the great Peter Hotshot Lorimer. And this is um, an obituary that was written by Phil McNulty, the Chief Football Writer for BBC Sport. So we're just going to do that one else. Please bear with me. Peter Lorimer, who has died aged 74, will be remembered as one of the most explosive and influential members of the greatest side in Leeds United's history. Lorimer was not simply a key figure as Leeds enjoyed huge success at home and abroad in the 60s and 70s, but a spectacular symbol of a golden era at Ellen Road, that saw their ruthless physical approach often overshadow shadow the natural brilliance of one of the outstanding British post-war teams. Under the leadership of legendary manager Dom Reavy, Leeds enjoyed great highs and bitter lows, big successes and heartbreaking disappointments, with Lorimer a pivotal character in all the twists in the plot lines. Having made his debut for the club in September 1962, aged just 15 years in 299 days, his final appearance came 23 years later in his second spell at Ellen Road. He scored 238 goals in 703 appearances, a club record. His shooting from any range makes him a standout in any showreel of Leeds' glory era. It earned him nicknames such as Lash and Hotshot, and the power and pace of his shots inspired a chant of 90 miles an hour from the home sport whenever he lined up a free kick. Leeds endured a roller coaster of emotions during the Review era, Those who acknowledged the class and ability of the team, assembled by this most complex of personalities, justifiably questioning how and why they did not win more. And in a reflection of the ill fortune, Leeds often followed them around during their greatest days. Two of Lorimer's greatest strikes rank among the most infamous goals they never scored. In the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea at Villa Park in April 1967, as Leeds chased an equaliser in the dying seconds, John Giles turned a short free kick to substitute Lorimer, who sent a rising right-foot thunderbolt past a helpless Peter Benetti from 25 yards. Referee Ken Burns ruled the goal out. The explanation apparently being the wall was not back the required 10 yards, causing scenes of chaos and confusion. It was regarded by Leeds fans as one of many injustices their club suffered before even more acute pain came in the 1975 European Cup final against Bayern Munich in Paris. Leeds were chasing the biggest prize in European football, one which had always eluded Reeve. He had left to become an England manager in the summer of 1974, so it was the avuncular Jimmy Armfield who finally guided them to the final. Lorimer, and pretty much every other observer, thought he'd put Leeds ahead in the 62nd minute, when he volleyed a clearance past Bayern keeper Seth Meyer, who was motionless as the right foot shot flashed past him. Lorimer uh, leads celebrated only for French referee Michel Kibjuban, who'd been who'd also refused penalty appeals in the first half when Bayern captain Franz Beckenbauer clearly upended Alan Clark to rule to go out for offside. Bayern made the most of the reprieve to score twice in the last twenty minutes and the violent response of some Leeds fans present led to UEFA banning the club from European competition for four years, which was later reduced to two-on appeal. It was the last hurrah for a magnificent side, but Lorimer stayed on and remained one of the most important players and influences at Ellum Road. His longevity and impact throughout his career, meaning he'll forever be a figure of huge significance in Leeds history. There were disappointments, but Leeds and Lorimer enjoyed huge success during the Review era, as he took them out of the second division to claim a collection of the game's biggest honours, with the Dundee born Ford an essential ingredient in their recipe for success. He came to prominence in the 65 66 season won a reputation of a player of creativity and menace, topped off with his abilities to score goals of any sort, but so often of the thrilling and theatrical kind. It was the league title Leeds and Revie believed would cement their status as one of the greatest sides that Junior arrived in 1968 69. The title clinched with a goldish draw at Liverpool and Lorimer, one of the standout performers. He patrolled the right side with his gifted fellow Scott, Eddie Gray, on the left, with Reavy also establishing the deadly front line of Mick Jones and Clark, all fuelled by the highly ta- hugely talented and fiercely competitive duo of Giles and Billy Bremmer. Throughout it all, Lorimer was a model of consistency and reliability, claiming more honours when the Inter-Cities Fairs Cup was won again against Juventus in 1971, along with the FA Cup finally won against Arsenal in 72. Leeds failed to land the double by losing their last game at Wolverhampton Wanderers to give the title to Brian Clough's Derby County. Lorimer collected other title winners' medals in 1973 and 74, but with Revie gone, the Clough experiment cut short after 44 days and the great side suffering the ageing process, the club was about to leave its greatest era behind. Lorimer eventually left Leeds in 1979, having two spars at Toronto Blizzard, a short stint at York City and also for Vancouver Whitecaps before making an emotional return to Ellen Road in 1983 to play under the management of his old partner, Eddie Gray. Lorimer won 21 caps for Scotland and scoring four goals, making his debut away to Australia, sorry, Austria in November 1969 and playing his final game against Romania at Handon Park in December 1975. He was also appointed as the Leeds United director under the boardroom leadership of Gerald Krasner who was the only one to continue in the role when Ken Bates assumed ownership in January 2005. Lorimer, however, one of the club's most iconic figures, his death is another very sad day for Leeds United. After the loss of his teammates Norman Hunter, Trevor Cherry, and Jack Charlton in recent months, rest in peace, Peter Lorimer. A
1: yeah, hundred percent. I mean, all, all I all I would say, Mark, is um, I remember the Bayern Munich incident. It was one of the I think it was one of the first sort of live games that i seen on the telly as a young boy and uh yeah I mean I I, I certainly understood the, the grievances of the Leeds fans at the time um but having, having said that just reflected on Peter himself I mean you know like you said he was known as Hot Shot I used to call him Thumper as well because when, when he when he did hit a ball it's dead hit you know and uh Yeah, it's just another really sad loss. You know, if you're a a fan of that Leeds era, like like you've said, it's been a difficult kind of year because they've lost Trevor Cherry, Norman Hunter, Peter Lorimer himself, and obviously Jack Charlton. So, yeah, but uh, I totally agree with you. Rest in peace. And again, well read, mate. Right, moving on to
0: Saints transfer, uh, sorry, Saints in the press and transfer gossip. So, Saints in the press, COVID certificates could be introduced to allow fans to return to stadiums. Uh, Ralph Hassanou saying international games during a pandemic is absolute nonsense. Totally agree with him on that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, COVID certificates, Mark. So, yeah, so COVID, to me, I've got to be honest, Mark. I mean, there's queries, I'm hearing that there's queries now about it, but to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, okay, yes, it's a little bit of an inconvenience because you got to do the paperwork and stuff like that. But I, I just think at the minute it's something that's necessary. It gives the people that are going to the football reassurance, you know, that at the end of the day, you know, you're not necessarily coming into contact potentially with anybody who, who may be a carrier you know the, the the thing is is the other thing to remember is just cuz the you know you're vaccinated it doesn't reduce the risk you know what it, what it does is it prevents you from getting so ill that you end up in hospital where I mean, that that's the whole idea of it
0: yeah they're saying it prevents the most serious symptoms and prevents you from dying in hospital
1: yes so. exactly you know yep. so you know i think at the end of the day Surely it's, I mean, I can understand that it's an inconvenience for some people, but surely it's the sensible and right thing to do.
0: Well, it may be an inconvenience for some people. I'll tell you something now, it'd be a far bigger inconvenience for the person you give it to.
1: Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. So,
0: moving on to uh, Saints transfer gossip. Brighton and Southampton making texts on ambitious AFC Bournemouth face. This is Arno Danzuma. I think it'd be a great signing. Southampton amongst sides keeping tabs on three Bristol City players. Southampton FC, do is another player they're linked with. And Portsmouth deal, doubt a recruitment blow. A Southampton clinch deal for coach.
1: Yeah, so anyway, just dealing with Danzuma. But before that, I just want to say the Ralph Hassan story. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Basically, you and I both agree we had, it, it. was more or less he was saying that international games at the minute is an absolute nonsense, uh, traveling around the globe. And I know it's something you and I both agree with, but anyway, move, moving on to Dan Zuma. Uh, basically, yeah, I the thing is, is he to me, he's a he looks like a, a really good player. And yes, I would love to have him on the books. But again, I'm sceptical because Bournemouth paid a reported £13.2 million from, And they're going to want significant money on top of what they've paid. So do we have that kind of money floating about? I don't think so. So (laughs) do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't.
0: So moving on, Bristol City trio, Daniel Bentley, Antoine Semenyo and Tariq Backison have all been watched by Premier League Southampton, apparently, Mark. Right, so the,
1: all, all I'm going to say is the two young players, obviously there's a possibility of them coming yep, into the, the academy. academy. But if you, look at, if you look at Daniel Bentley, who's the goalkeeper, if you look at his record, he's 27 years of age, right? Yeah. I mean bristol city regularly concede right yep and i'm sat there and i am trying to work out why we would necessarily be interested i think you suggested on the radio show the other day you know why not just give fraser foster a new contract but not only that mark it's also
0: angus gunn is on loan at stoke okay so Angus yes. Gunn could come back. Bear in mind, his loan's till the end of the season, so he's probably going to return to the Saints fold. Yes. And Jack Bycross just signed a new two-year contract
1: extension. Exactly. And they enough need another goalkeeper. To bring through the goalkeepers We've got. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the th- the, the bottom line for me is right. I get like Angus hasn't played for us since the, Yep. You know the Leicester debacle, right? But the thing is, is. Hope the hope would be that he comes back from his loan period rejuvenated yep. and ready to give it another go. A bit like a bit like Fraser's time. Well, where you, not, in
0: fairness, to Angus gone. You could argue if he conceded nine and went out on loan, why isn't Alex McCarthy out on loan then? <laughs> but,
1: uh, That's you a know, fair point. you're quite you're quite right. <laughs> what you say? I mean, why we would necessarily be interested in a player of that calibre? I I don't get it at the age that he is. Yep. It, it's a it's a baffler for me. Yep. I mean, I don't understand that if it was a pedigree goalkeeper that was going relatively cheaply, then maybe you could you could marry the two, but I just don't get that. Yeah, it's all right, Mark. They're bringing Buffon in next week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm joking. Anyway, moving on. Southampton have been linked with a move for Levante winger Jorge de Frutos in recent weeks. If he were to join Ralph Asenu's side in the summer, it could be bad news for Mr. Gineppo. According to the Sunday Mirror, that, that bastion of Saints news, Southampton have been in contact with the 24-year-old as he continues to impress in La Liga. Despite making just 12 league starts this season, he's contributed an impressive three goals and seven assists in his appearances in the Spanish top flight, averaging
1: a solid 6.69 rating. I mean, on the face of it, you would have thought possibilities, right? But yeah, I don't think Moose yeah. is under threat, though. No. I've, read, I've read into the story, Mark, and I've got to tell you that, that this lad, he's 24 years of age, right? Yeah. Now, two seasons ago, he signed for Real Madrid, right? Yep. Real Madrid then probably put him into the B team, yep. right? right. And he went down on loan, so that was in the first six months, and then he went down on loan for the rest of the the yep. season. He was on loan last season, right? And apparently Levante paid somewhere between sixteen and eighteen million pounds for him. So I'm sat there and I'm thinking to myself, where's Shein's getting the money from? I mean there's there's no exactly. way we're, say, we're saying a winger who, you know, last, at the start of this season, joined Levante for £60
0: million. That's all right, they'll get the money, Mark, because don't forget Danny Ings is off to Man City, so, you know, we'll have the money.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, and is he going for around £60 quid? is he? Well, you know, pigs might fly. <laughs> yeah, you know, but- You know, oh, (laughs) do me a favour, the City season's already started. We're not even in summer yet. (laughs) Well, 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 it's interesting. You sort of Uh, get your hopes up. But obviously, having looked into the whole thing, I, I sit there and I think, where are we raising the money from? That's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Right, anyway, I think that wraps that up really
0: nicely. And we move on to the last section of today's pod, which is Corner Chat. So, Corner Chat for today, Mark. Saints FC relegation safety or mid table for me i'm saying safety and when i say safety i mean between 13th and the bottom three yeah i don't think think, we're getting relegated and i think we're going to get safety
1: okay so basically just so people know where i am i've predicted us to get eight points okay Um, where do you think those eight points coming from well strangely enough right um He's I've, got a list, everyone. I've, I've 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 actually worked out where I where I reckon we're getting the points from. I was hoping that you were gonna be prepared for the pod and give me give me your imaginations on it. But yeah, uh, I do I've, I do I've, have my own thoughts as to where the points are coming from. Okay. Well, um, anyway, I'll 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 start off. So so basically I'm predicting that Saints will finish on 41 points this season. Okay. So, eight more points than what they've currently got. Okay? Yep. Sticking my neck out here, I've gone for his, the win at home to Burnley. Right? People are probably sitting there going, he's on stony ground straight away. Oh. Right? Then I've got us drawn at West Brom. Okay? Right? And then that, that that's the two games in the league in the April. And then in the May 1st, Saturday, the 1st of May, we play Leicester City at home. I believe we will lose that. Right? I also think the following Saturday we'll lose away at Liverpool. Then we've got a midweek game on Wednesday the 12th of May against Fulham at home. I think that will be a draw. Three days later, we play Leeds at home in the Premier League, and I believe we'll win that one. All right, and the last game of the season, we're away at West Ham. That's a loss for me. I mean, we've only won once up there since since they moved into the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, and yeah, eight points for me. Forty-one points. And I'm going to say that's going to be good enough for anywhere between 15th and 13th is where we're going okay. to finish. Well, I actually think
0: Saints v Burnley, I think Burnley are going to nick that. I think it's going to be a 1-0 to Burnley, traditional 1-0 Burnley type result. Ugh. I reckon we're going to beat West Brom because our away is better than our home form, in fairness. Yeah, I get the logic.
1: Um,
0: I think we'll lose to Leicester. I think we'll draw with Liverpool. Okay. I think we'll beat Fulham and I think we'll lose our last two games. Right, so you I think after the Fulham game this this team after the Fulham game will already be on the beach and they'll so lose the last what, two games. So i
1: worked out that you're giving us seven points, Mark. Yep. So basically that leaves points. us Sorry. on forty points. So what where, whereabouts in the table is that good enough for us to finish as far as you're concerned? Um, Difficulty is knowing where the other team is going to finish, but I would say
0: we're going to finish around probably where we are now, 13th, 14th.
1: Right. So, anyway, listeners to the pod, you've heard of here first. That's basically Mark and I's thoughts on how the rest of the season's going to go for Saints. But I've said I... 13th,
0: 14th, Mark. Where are you seeing Saints ending up?
1: well I've I've already said I've already said between 13th and 15th mate and I have us us finishing on a point better off on 41 well there's only
0: a point between us so we weren't far apart on that one no (laughs) there you go everybody right anyway we'll see how that pans out but as long as we beat Leicester in the semi-final I don't care if we lose against them in the league (laughs) anyway that brings the corner chat and the podcast to an end for today so um, just to remind you these are the ways to access the podcast and before we give you the ways to access the podcast don't forget the show email address which is the two saints podcast show com, for any questions or features you want to hear in future podcasts so these are the ways to access the podcast coming up now Yep, you can access our podcast via Acast, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Deezer, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube and Facebook. You can also access it using Alexa if you say Alexa, play the Two Saints podcast show on Amazon Music or Alexa, play the Two Saints podcast show on Spotify.
1: Right, there we go. All that's left to say is goodbye from me. Yeah, and all that's left for me to say is thanks for giving us a listen and hopefully you'll listen again next week and basically in the meantime, keep well, stay safe, get your jobs.
0: Absolutely right. And the last thing for me to say is join us again next week when the Two Saints go marching in again. Bye for
1: now. Bye.